And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of Glue Guys, Brian, yeah, we're going to interrogate the question. Yes. Are the Brooklyn Nets elite? Are they part of the elite upper crust of the NBA? We're going to interrogate that question on this very show. The Glue Guys, colon, a Brooklyn Nets podcast. Let's start the show. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself by the paywall, TheAthletic.com, slash GlueGuys, of subsidiary of the New York Times. Yeah. Brian. Michael. Oh, my gosh. The Nets are back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Nets are, they haven't gone anywhere. What's up, man? Oh, my my Zoom almost crashed right at the right at the top of your yeah. growl. <laughs> so it was Mine too did. much. It was too much. Um, I'm good. How are you? How's everything? Uh so thrilled to be talking uh, to you today, oh, as always. Yeah. Hey, 12-game win streak. Mike, what could be wrong? I don't even... I got like half an eye on the game anymore. I'm just like, you know, it's a it's a dub. <laughs> put that in the bag. Whatever it is. Whatever I'm watching. You're, you're playing pickleball and you put up the game on your iPad. That's it. That's exactly and it. Between pickling, you're seeing some... Actually, between picks. we were talking after the, uh, the demolition of the San Antonio Spurs, the Greg Popovich San Antonio Spurs... Um, I will something controversial. Hot take: blowouts are not usually fun. That was a that, that was, was a, fun. a fun basketball game. That was a fun one. Um, Kyrie super dunk. It was a very, it was kind of a loose game for the Nets, and I yeah. loved it. I love that they. It was we're just going to do some fun stuff. We're going to really show out here. Yeah, and they uh, dominated maybe the worst team in the NBA. Hey, that. It's another dub. Yeah. One of 12. But the pressure. Almost a Baker's does. It just seems like such a low pressure situation where, you know, early on in the season, like it was fraught. It was a high pressure. We got to get these wins off our chest. Everything seemed to be coming in the most difficult fashion possible. And now it's loosey goosey out there. And, um, and it's fun. It's just been fun. It's, it's real. It's real easy. You play. I got my Minecraft on one screen, cut the game on the other screen. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we're just having a good time. Um, this is, I don't want to jinx what's happening right now. Oh, you believe in jinxes, Mike? I do. You because are. typically when I talk about things that, I mean, if you cover this team on any length of time like we have, it feels like whether we talk about the team or whether we don't, whether we talk about them positively, whether we talk about them negatively, uh, things always crash and burn at some point. Okay. Jeez. And Doom I will and admit to you, I, I still hold on to the take that Kyrie is potentially destructive at some point you start the show with this mike oh that's right into the memes no this is not okay but what i want to say okay i do believe that i think there's there's still an opportunity (laughs) for Kyrie to blow this thing up 
But this team, how fun this 12-game win streak, The what is it, the 16 of 17 mm-hmm. games they've won, uh, the only loss being to Boston. Um, this feels like what everything should have felt like since they signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie signed with the team. Mm. And DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Uh, don't want to forget DJ. Can't a forget crucial him. part. That was huge. That was a big part of it. Um, the reason why Jared Allen's no longer on the team is Nick Claxton. I will talk about this. Is Nick Claxton better than peak Jared Allen? I don't know. Wow. Interesting. Maybe. Interesting debate. Well, we'll talk about that. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can agree. This feels like what this thing should have been. Mm. When we when we started podcasting in 2012, okay. 2013, yeah. and we foresaw Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving coming onto the team, because yeah. we did. We talked about it. We had a premonition. It. We woke up in the middle of the night, and we called each other, and we were like, you had, you had the same dream, didn't you? And that's and that's when we started talking about it, right, right around then. We, and we both also said, and Donald Trump is going to win yeah. <laughs> yeah. the 2016 election. Yeah. A, um, lot of, a lot of premonitions that night. Busy night. Um, this this is what this should have felt like. The, the, the fact that we're getting two of the greatest offensive minds, executors, technicians in the history of basketball operating at extremely high efficiencies, particularly for Durant operating at a higher efficiency than we've almost ever seen Mm -hmm. in the NBA. There was a great um, chart put out by coast to coast, uh, a Twitter account that I just started following where it looked at this season about your efficiency on mid range shots. Are you taking an efficient mid range, mid range shot and you're hitting it. Kevin Durant is taking very inefficient mid range shots according to analytics, but he's hitting them at such a high rate that he totally dwarfs the graph. All the other players are around the zero, zero Y, zero X. They're bubbled up around there. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant is taking negative three pull-up shot quality, which is bad, but making six of them. Now, I don't want to, because I know this isn't, you didn't do the data on this. You, were, you weren't, data. but um, was there I'm some- an aggregator. You're an aggregator. Um, was there some kind of- uh, reporting on exactly how they came to like what's a better because like you know there's that um, the sort of Al Jefferson example of like these are bad twos you know him back to the basket no matter what um, that's a that's a bad a bad shot um, but like Kevin Durant it's I, I guess what I'm wondering is do they factor in just like preference you know versus because like his preference like his his hot spots are like the hottest hot spots in in basketball is how I would yeah. kind of term it yeah well and that's it. it where it kind of addresses the thing that you're asking addresses overall. I mean, what I'm assuming the data that they went into was in general, what in it, what is the expectation from this place on the floor for an average NBA player right. or the average across the NBA for this spot on the floor. Okay. And the fact that Kevin Durant is so, when you look at the chart, he is so beyond what anyone else is in the NBA and Kyrie and DeRozan are like the two other guys mm-hmm. that are the closest. If, if this is Saturn's <laughs> rings, Kevin Durant is a ring completely by itself. Yeah. And then Kyrie DeRozan and Anthony Simons, oddly mm-hmm. enough, and Devin Booker are kind of like another ring. And Jokic is on the other side of the floor. There are guys who are like taking efficient shots, yeah. jump shots, but not making quite as much. Yeah. But Kevin Durant is taking what would be termed as bad shots, right? What analytics would say is bad shots, which leads me into this one point I definitely want to make about this team. Okay. Okay. So, I I have some apprehension. And the the point of this episode today is to analyze whether the Nets are elite. And I will let the cat out of the bag, the Siamese cat out of that bag, Mm -hmm. and say they are 100% elite. And any reason why uh, you may not hear 
that they are elite from the national media uh. is because of combustible personalities or decisions that could be made by members of the team. Okay. So you think it's prejudice from previous prejudice. Ex- experiences. But what is happening with this team, which, which is so very unique, because I, I am now in the mode of thinking about matchups in the playoffs and matchups in the finals. Like, that's where I put this team already. I think they are obviously a title contender, and I'll go through the statistics to say so. But the big point about the Brooklyn Nets is that the entire, all of the NBA, all the defense in the NBA that's designed, is designed to stop the shots that analytics says are the good ones. The threes, and then the layups and dunks. That is how defense is designed. That's how it's played. It's played to rush out to the three-point line to stop a three-point shot, and it's designed to protect the bucket. Yeah, The Nets are succeeding in the land long forgotten mm. by basketball analytics. Wow. The mid-range. Kevin Durant is doing things for the mid-range, which has almost never been done before. He's shooting 63% on two-point shots, a bulk of those being the 8 to 18-foot jumper. Just like as you talk about the fact that Kevin Durant's hot zones are the hot, he's he's mm-hmm. carbon dioxide, baby. He's burning up the atmosphere from all places. Yeah, right. He's China. He's India. He's America. He's all over the place. Kyrie, again, another guy who operates from the mid range, succeeds from the mid range. Nick Claxton, not a mid range guy, but shooting seventy five percent from two, from two point shots, which are all dunks. T.J. Warren is a Discount Kevin Durant, 61% from two this year, limited action, but I mean, extremely effective, particularly for a bench player. Yuta Watanabe, 62% from two, which is probably, again, more around the bucket. Ben Simmons, of course, he's around the bucket. He's not shooting mid-range at all. But the areas that the Nets are attacking, particularly their best players, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, are places, again, long forgotten by NBA defenses. And as we begin to evolve and think about this team as an elite contender, Brian, we need to think about, do we trust the mid-range? Can we put our faith in the mid-range? Because this team is going to win a championship by operating from the mid-range. They have three-point shooters in Joe, Seth, and Royce sometimes, and Utah. I mean, who can forget Utah's the greatest three-point shooter of all time. And they have guys who can dunk, like Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton. But where, where their bread is being buttered, mm. that delicious Irish butter. Mm. Kerrygold. Kerrygold yeah. is the mid-range. Is, that is what's the differentiating factor. And what <clears throat> I bring it back to NBA defenses. NBA defenses, again, designed to stop threes and layups and dunks. Defenders are uncomfortable trying to guard mid-range. They are they are not as used to guarding mid-range. It's almost like, I've been trying to think of a comparable in football. It's like when running backs were completely out of style and then Derrick Henry comes in and just completely mauls defenses in the NFL because all the defenders got smaller and faster to account for the, the growth in the passing game. Then Derrick Henry's like, I'm just going to run over you and run for 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. The Nets are are the most unique offensive team in the NBA because they're doing they are running an offense that is unlike any offense in the NBA. Can I also add a, a one little new data oh. point to that? Would oh, you, sure. Is that okay? Can I start? Yeah, um, that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> they um, there's an interesting. I was reading John Schumann's power rankings on NBA.com, um, of which we're wa- ranked third now. 
So, you know, by that, by that standard elite, um, one of the things that I think has been kind of a missing ingredient is this, the other kind of phases of the offense. We've been sort of a two point shooting team since as long as Kyrie and KD have been around to some extent, I mean, like to lesser effect over the years. And I feel like the transition offense. So right now, uh, the nets are averaging 16.3 fast, uh, fast break points per game, which is their largest total since Get this, Mike. 2002-2003. The fast-breaking Jason yeah. Kidd, Richard Jefferson. That's incredible, Bryce. How about that? And then also, so it's always, and it's been tracking like, you know, way upward in the last couple of games, specifically over this win streak. So they scored 35 transition points against uh, the the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it's, which is an insane total for them, which is, uh, they have a good uh, defense, I guess, in, in transition, whatever. Who knows? I don't care. Um, but so... I think that it's actually kind of like becoming this more holistic thing where we have, you know, just having the mid-range offense is is useful. But if you don't diversify a little bit along the way, it's it just you become this kind of one trick pony, which makes it maybe a little bit easier to guard. I don't know. I just feel like it can't be that KD and Kyrie have like changed dramatically and suddenly it like works or, or it doesn't. But I do. And maybe this is a, a Ben Simmons, you know, sort of, you know, we can Very dovetail good. into that into the part of the into that part of the conversation. Um because I don't know, there's a big debate on the Discord right now of whether Ben Simmons actually attributes to us being good. Uh, not my debate. Not this is just the Discord. And shout out to the Discord.gg/slash glue guys. Um, but you know, optically, and then also in a couple of different statistical categories, you could try to make the argument that like you know a lot of what's happening transition wise is potentially born from the Ben Simmons edition. I don't know. I'm just I'm just talking here. I'm just thinking out loud. Here's some statistics about the team. They are since Jacques Vaughn has taken over November first. They are third in offensive points per game. They are third in defensive points per game. They are first in offensive effective field goal percentage. On defense, they are second in the NBA in effective field goal percentage, which is good. Second being they limit uh, effective field goal percentage, and they're third in turnover percentage for defense, which is largely due to blocks because Claxton and KD are so adept at blocking shots. And and so we we grapple with the Ben Simmons question, right? Like, so we had on this show, people were some people were one person on Twitter was mad um, that we suggested a couple episodes ago maybe the Nets flip Ben Simmons for Kyle. <laughs> that, that dude was super mad. He was like, I might not listen to your show ever. I love those types of people. Who are like, if there's one thing I disagree with. <laughs> if I lose you because of that, Ben, we're going that take nuclear. That was like, yeah, at the end of the pod, yeah. we were just, we just kind of like stumbled into like, I don't know, that's an idea. <laughs> That's it. I can't listen to this insanity anymore. That's, that's um, amazing. And so I understand. I'm not like I'm not like Ben Simmons. You can never trade him, right? But if the team is this good with Ben Simmons, like how much better could it get with anyone else? And as you talk about with the transition buckets, as much as I love the mid range, I just espoused how amazing it is that the Nets are attacking the weakest part in NBA defenses right now, the mid-range, because there's no real game planning for stopping mid-range besides sending double teams to KD and eventually sending double teams to Kyrie. The Ben is your engine of easy buckets. He has easy buckets by himself when he gets around the rim, and he's those transition buckets like you talked about. And this team cannot survive and win only on mid-range. Of course, they need to continue to shoot well from three, and they need the transition buckets. If you take Ben Simmons away, I, like I think basically your transition buckets go to uh, zero. Unless yeah. if there's the random Nick Claxton gets a rebound, dribbles on the floor, 
and does something completely crazy, but it goes in. It's interesting um, too. And sorry to interrupt you if I'm interrupting no, yeah, that, like sort of the shots that we're taking that are these sort of low efficiency two pointer things, you know, by, by traditional metrics are kind of the, like the kinds of shots that a, um, a post player, like a really good post player might take, which is also not necessarily a good shot, but like you'd kind of attribute like just that six foot to eight foot range um, that Katie and Kyrie, like in particular operate from, um, especially in the baseline, like those Katie baseline shots are like, nobody should be taken. Nobody other than Kevin Durant should take or make those shots, um, <clears throat> especially at the rate that he does. And I'm wondering if it's like kind of a weird thing that like in the aggregate of those two players, it's kind of like having like dominant post play, you know, uh, even though they're not like, you know, post players. It's just like the the shot location on the floor is a post player location. It's just not coming from a traditional post player. So maybe it's just like it's hard to, you know, analytic a around this from a defensive scheme perspective. Well, do you remember when before Nash was hired? I guess he was just hired. And Kyrie was on Kevin Durant's podcast, or they were on like a Instagram live stream. And Kyrie was talking about how he was going to post up six times a game. Yeah, and everyone and we laughed. Yeah, we all laughed. You know who's good, really good footwork and skills around the bucket like that is Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie like he had a move. I think it was against the Spurs, where he was kind of backing down. He does this interesting thing where he constantly is moving his shoulders back and forth dribbling the ball, passing it between his hands as he's backing down to the defender. And then, you know, it's a quick move because he's quicker than most post players. Mm -hmm. And he got an easy bucket, a layup, when he's a guy that should basically never get a layup when a defender's directly on him that close to the bucket. There should always be a contest. And he got an open layup because he was so quick. He can do that. I think you're... So, uh, you know, we talk about analytics, right? Love analytics. When when this team was, was under Kenny Atkinson, they really needed to play... The analytics game. They mm-hmm. they always had the best shot profile of any team in the NBA. That's it was right. all layups and dunks and threes. The fun thing about having Kevin Durant and Kyrie, and Nash has let, had let them do this too, but Vaughn is letting it happen even more, is like, hey, you guys are just completely unique figures in the NBA. Why don't you just do what you do really well, which is put up shots in the mid-range? Yeah. And they, Kyrie still takes like 10 threes a game. It's not like he's playing a DeMar, like again, DeMar DeRozan's thought of as like this dinosaur. It's just that they're both incredibly gifted at hitting those shots. I mean, there's the, the again against the Spurs, KD had that like the fall away where he was literally falling down, gets fouled, hits the shot, and Mbappe was had a, a look on his face like, can you believe this? It's Mbappe mm. who has that face look on Mbappe. his face, which was very cool. Um, it... it so again, Mike Mike Smeltz here. Okay, you know, I, Mike. I have fear. I have fear. I know you do. You get a. I, you can't I fear. You can't fear this stuff. You know, it's it's out of your I, control, Mike. I'll, I'll, the data over time will tell you that relying on those shots will be detrimental to you in the long term. That eventually those shots will not fall. My hope is that because it's being they're being taken by Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And that defense is really just they. It takes it's different. It's really hard for them to because again, the Nets are essentially opening up the entire floor for shot making. They have the three point shooters. Now they have this mid range. They've always had mid range, but now it's like really hyper focused. And then they still have Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons diving to the bucket and dunking. So they are forcing defenses to defend every inch. Yeah. Of the floor. And do you want to kind of even still, despite all the success, like give even more like standstill credit to 
Kevin Durant, who like, as I remember the game last night against San Antonio, there's like a multiple kind of possessions where, uh, it's he's in the middle of the floor. There's like three collapsing defenders because nobody knows they're all kind of equidistant away from him and know that he can hit that shot. So he's pulling so much attention towards him. And then even still with that amount of attention can just drift above whoever is guarding him with like, you know, two guys on his flanks and just like stick a mid range jumper, that amount of just consolidation of defensive attention. It's just, it's just unbelievable. You just, it's really creates so much opportunity for everybody else. So, um, Still got to think like the linchpin of all this stuff. The engine that's really making this stuff go is just is really Kevin Durant's just like unbelievable player right now. Yeah. yeah. And and I have a little game for you oh. coming up at the end called Would You Rather, <clears throat> which involves ranking Kevin Durant versus the other players in the NBA. And I'm interested to see where you'd place him. Let's do this quick. Coming back. Uh, I want to talk about the eliteness of this team. I do. I want to dig in. Okay. I want to get elite. Let's do it. Let's take a quick break. Coming back. Let's get there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back, Brian. Yeah. Before I before we get into it, I'll just ask you. I don't even maybe I don't have to convince you. Okay. Is this team elite? Is it is it in the elite tier for you? Undoubtedly, for you? I yeah. think for me it's that's easy. Indubitably, easy. yeah. Indubitably, I think so. Um, don't you feel the apprehension? I feel like maybe it's just Nick Friedle, <laughs> Um, who you know. Who has a job to do? He is a skeptic. <laughs> his his okay? job is to be antagonistic. Yeah, towards, yeah, but it, yeah. It, and you know, we've you and I have talked about in full honesty. Be like, it'd be interesting to have him on the show to like kind of get him to open up about why why he views his role to be so antagonistic. So antagonistic. <laughs> yeah, which I, I respect. Like he's a reporter. He's not supposed to be it, cheering. It's for one the approach. Team. I mean, it's. I mean, Frank Isola so walks so he can though. run. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It is yeah. so negative. Like, you know, yeah. you'll see clips of him on Ryan Rossilli. You'll see clips of him on Zach Lowe. And he is, apparently, I think Dick Friedle himself said his own mom was like, you need to be nicer yeah. about the Nets. And this was maybe five wins ago. Mm-hmm. And now they're on a 12-game winning streak, which we kind of just sort of throw out there and say, but again, it's 12-game winning streak. The, the season's only 82 games long. It's a hefty chunk of the season that the Nets are and the next closest team of the Dallas Mavericks with seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel they're elite, right? What, what What's your elite that. tier? Uh, in what sense? Meaning just like what other teams are in the elite conversation? or? Yeah, do you think... So I'm trying to figure out how big of a tier I want to make it. So it's like this to me, it's the Celtics and the Nets and the Bucks. I mean, I, even though the Bucks are kind of trending downwards, but I still, you know, people have it's ups and downs over the course of the season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the Cavs could rightly be in there, even though the Nets beat the Cavs. I mean, the Cavs. I mean, hey, how about that Donovan Mitchell game? Whoa, hey now. Did you see how Kyrie predicted that by playing Call of Duty? <laughs> <laughs> You know what actually made me happy? Not that uh, he was. I don't care that he's playing Call of Duty with uh, Donovan Mitchell. I like that Royce O'Neal was part of the game. Oh, a little little teammate love there. You know, I think that's important. And and also we're happy that uh, Kyrie's just not playing video games by himself. True. Yeah, playing. He has found friends to play (laughs) with. (laughs) Playing GTA Five solo. (laughs) Yeah. Talking about conspiracy theories and running around. Yeah, it's a life. I, I think there's there. I talked about this a little bit in the beginning. I think there's apprehension. There's just like this, and I. And I hey, come on! I I'm fearful. I'm. You, I, you I'm seem very apprehensive. Human. You way more than me. I mean, that's just your nature. I, I will say, you're an apprehensive guy. Yeah, because like the people who are apprehensive overall about naming the Nets elite, it's like we have been through those wars before. It's like, can we really trust Germany? I don't know. You know, you know. Okay, can we really? We've been through the wars. Um, and so I don't know how much I can thrust my heart and soul right now, as exciting as it is to watch, you know, I'm a little apprehensive because it's not even like, it's not like with, with Kyrie, it's so potentially unexpected about what's going to happen. So that's my level of apprehension. I almost, I, but there's watching it on the floor, seeing this team operates, I don't know how you could be. I mean, I ran through the numbers. They're third in the NBA in points per game on offense, third in points per defense. Remember when we used to be like, well, the Nets were the number one offense in the NBA, but we we're like, they were 25th in defense. Mm-hmm. Like, is that a winning formula? Even if the Nets cool off on defense and become 10th, that third and 10th is still elite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Third and third is bonkers. I mean, and and you know, when you look at effective field goal percentage, their first in offense, second in defense. Some of that is like, you know, that could be a little bit of luck, like teams missing more threes than usual against the Nets. Remember, there's that two seasons ago, the Knicks had like an insane defensive three-point percentage when it really had nothing to do with how like Tom Thibodeau was drawing up defensively. It was just people were missing. You know, I I think there's maybe some element. And also the Nets have played a bunch of teams who've been missing their stars. So there's some holes in that Swiss cheese. Mm. But one, the Celtics have been they're five, they're five and five over their past ten games. They have wobbled. You know the Cavs, the Nets beat the Nuggets are there. You talk about the power rankings, but you know the Nuggets, of course, are 
terrible and frightening and have so many players if they're operating at full cylinder. The Grizzlies, when everyone's at their top of their game, are really tough. The Bucks, 76ers maybe. But if you were to strip away the past mm. and just look at these teams, you would say the Nets are the best team in the NBA, I think, right now. Better than the Celtics at this moment. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it's a feelings thing, you know, and like I was saying, I the level of comfort with which I watch these games just suggests to me, like, I go into everything right now feeling very confident. And it actually kind of like stems from just how I feel about individual players all the way down the bench. Like, there's not really anybody that gets real run on this team that I'm like, Ugh, like this guy's in the game. Like I, there's almost zero criticisms about our like extended bench at this point. Um, I mean, that's not, to, I mean, I can't say that like all the way down the bench, but you know, basically for every rotation player, it's like, I'm excited to watch like, you know, every, everyone from Utah to, to Edmund Sumner to, you know, like there's just nobody that I don't want to watch play. Um, and Tim Thomas, <sighs> You know that's where it gets to the to the very end of this, but but he's he's not playing rotation minutes really at this point. So, um, but yeah, that's that's all to say that like it feels it both optically feels right and then spiritually feels right, Mike. If that makes sense. Even Patty Mills getting those minutes, dude. People hate like, on Patty. I don't get what is going on. People flipped on Patty so quick. I I think he's. I mean, he's an amazing luxury to have. He didn't do anything. You know, he's one for four last night and one shot made. But it's. If he's a guy who's randomly coming off your bench and he may have to play some minutes, like I think about this long term, and you know, we think a lot about what this team may need to do in the trade market. I more and more I'm like, why trade anyone? Ben Ben Simmons, whoever, Seth Curry. Seth Curry was awesome last night. Yeah. Um, and and so I'm like, I wouldn't trade maybe I don't trade him. I go I waffle back and forth on this. You know, if they get in the playoffs and Joe Harris gets hurt again. Well, Patty Mills playing 15 minutes a game, I would feel pretty safe about if that's the role that he's in, as opposed to last year where he was like, he was the the second most important player for stretches of the season yeah. last year, uh, which was terrifying. Can I ask you something? <laughs> yeah, please. Um, there's a spot in the starting lineup that's up for debate, Okay, I think. Yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about, I think. Kevin Durant. Yep. Should he come off the bench? That's the one. Uh, Royce O'Neal, Seth Curry, Joe Harris. Okay. So mm. just to set the framework a little bit, um, I would say the best defenders, Royce O'Neal, the best ball handling type is Seth Curry. And I would say Joe Harris is probably a better shooter than Seth. And also he's like a better, I mean, he's a better defender than Seth, but the difference between Seth and Joe shooting is minimal. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you where you're going to land when the Nets are in the finals. Yeah. Against the Lakers. But where do you land right now? Like what, what do you feels the best? Just a feelings thing. You're like, Oh, I like that guy being out there as opposed to this guy. So here's my little cheaty thing that I always do with this type of question, which is that I always go to crunch time minutes instead of the starting lineup. Cause I think that yeah. that's more important. So that's my, sure. that's my little cheat code. Um, and I've got a kind of a hot take for you. Like I kind of like TJ Warren at that spot (laughs) (laughs) to to close games uh increasingly just really falling in love with tj warren um does a lot does a lot of he's not he's not nearly the he doesn't do any of those things individually but he does everything enough back to the aggregate in the aggregate he he covers enough of those bases from all three of those players um again not individually as good a defender as 
you know, Royce, maybe, I don't know, uh, just different. Um, but like, I, I just really appreciate the height. I really appreciate the ability to like insert himself into broken plays. He's a real stabilizing force. He just feels like the kind of guy who's kind of, he's, he's, he's a clutch guy to some extent. Um, and so I know that that's cheating on, on your question. Um, and it's not, I love that you, and you did that. You throttled me with that answer. (laughs) Yeah. So do you like it? Do you like that answer? Uh, I love. Yeah. So over the past six games, so since he's, I mean, he's been getting regular minutes, semi-regular minutes since he came back, you know, averaging about, I don't know, 20 minutes a game or whatever. Yeah. The past six games, he's been in 25 minutes per game. He's shooting 40% from three on two and a half attempts, so not major, but he's shooting 53% from the field, averaging 13 points, five rebounds, and two assists. What I also love... TJ Warren. And what I love about him is that I've talked about this before, but like it's such a luxury to have a bench player who can score from anywhere on the floor. There was a moment in the Spurs game when it was TJ, Kyrie, and KD. And KD went to try to score, got doubled, passed it out to Kyrie, who passed it to TJ for like a 10 foot jumper and just swish, make it. No, no question, fired it in confident, yeah. ready to roll. It's unique to have a, a bench player a role player like that who can just be like, Oh, I have no worries about shooting a jumper. I'm not like worried about missing. Like when Dayron sharp missed a, a layup, you could tell that was the end of his life. Yeah. He was yeah. like, I'm <laughs> I, I Kevin Durant and Kyrie will never trust me again. Yeah. I'm never going to play again. Yeah. Where TJ Warren, it, he has no conscious like that. And I love it. Um, so, okay. Construct your closing lineup for me, Bri. Yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it, yeah, it's, because it still gets down to the fact that so like Kyrie, KD are given. Yep, Ben Simmons, um, Claxton, and then throwing TJ Warren. Although Claxton's the one part of it that like you know you play a little offense defense maybe with that just due to hacky Clax. But um, yeah. other than that, I think I think that's a good. Hey, I think that's a closing that's a closing lineup that's built to kill. I'm not. I'm not. I don't even hate like going super small and taking Clax and Simmons off the floor and then going TJ and Royce. Yeah, like there was, they've run that lineup. Uh, I feel, anyways, they, I've seen. We had a look at that. Uh, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, and it was, it was there was some pretty tasty minutes there. I mean that that is the lineup that you do that you deploy if you're like we're just going to score every time we get down the floor. We're just going to score buckets, or whether it's it's Joe instead of Royce to like really juice it, um, because you have everyone's a shooter yeah. at that point. There's no weakness defensively. You just need Kevin Durant to be a superhero. Yeah. Um, okay. Question for you. New game. Would you rather? No one's ever done this before. Mm-hmm. Okay. I looked at the top scores in the NBA. Okay. We have the list here. It's a little dated. I think it's for a week old. I'm going to ask you, would you rather have Kevin Durant than this player? Okay. Jalen Brown. Oh, Kevin Durant. Easy. Yeah. John Morant. KD. Easy. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. So, are we taking like? Let's just, say right now. Let's just say right. We're doing now. a bubble of just this season, and then yeah. Okay. You have one playoff series well, to save your life. So here's the thing: if we am I taking in like the construction of the whole team because the overlap from John Morant and and Kyrie is that doesn't make me happy, you know. So am it I taking all that hap- into consideration? No, just we'll do vacuum player v player. If you were starting your team, okay. And and it was it wasn't long term, so it's like, you know, I could put Victor Wambayama on here, but I, I that's okay. A little so bit. We're, it's it's like a one season fantasy draft, yeah, essentially. Okay, yeah. So you still want KD? 
over John Morant. I think I do. I think I LeBron. do. LeBron. Katie. I think I take Katie over them. I, I really do. Trey Young, obviously, you know. I got to go Trey Young. Just kidding. <laughs> Anthony Davis. Uh, I think you go to KD over this. I mean, I think, honestly, and I'm trying to, like, not be, like, super homer bias bro right now. I don't know that other than Jokic and, like, Luka um, and Giannis. Giannis. Um, I, I, here's my own personal preference. Like, I, I think Giannis is disgusting to watch, so I just had a personal <laughs> preference that way. <laughs> I would go that way. But, um, yeah, other than those guys, I'm trying to think. Sorry, well, I know the, I blew up your game because I okay, just answered no, no, it for to, you. Yeah. To me, the list that you – is the true tier. I would put KD, Embiid, Luka – Giannis, I would still put Tatum and Curry. I put them yeah. all sort of in one tier. So the people that are not on that list are LeBron, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I absolutely love, but just you know, it's not to Donovan love. Mitchell, who scored seventy one, Devin mm-hmm. Booker, Anthony Davis, John Morant. Okay, so if it's Embiid, Luca, Katie, Giannis, Tatum, and Curry, here's you, you're an Embiid. You've always been an Embiid guy. You love you love Joel Embiid. Have you looked at Embiid's stats? <laughs> They're pretty obscene. They're pretty ridiculous but here's, I, I, again this is the problem you have to, i have to go back into like i'm gonna watch 82 games of this guy and i don't want to watch 82 games of joel Embiid. don't want to do it i i appreciate that viewpoint into it yeah it's it, just your pure carnal pleasure of <laughs> it's, it basketball is, it is carnal yeah um luca where are you on luca i mean i, I mean, could watch I, the shit out of luca yeah uh, that's yeah. I, some people think it's he's not that fun to watch i mean there there's an element of the mavericks where it's so repeatable that it is it's obviously like the Harden Rockets teams everyone has made that comparison i just think luka's way more fun than harden was yeah i think he's way more interesting not as a person even just like the way he plays there's there's more sort of like variance to his game cuz harden was so like he had trimmed the fat. I mean, no, no pun intended, but he trimmed the fat off of every <laughs> everything else. Besides, his it life. is kind of funny that they're both a little bit on the pudgy side too. Like the, weird that they have sort of similar dimensions. There's power not, in the pudginess, if, man. <laughs> you know. But like, there's some power to be, to be had for them to be like crazy, like step back three playmaker bros with like a, you know crazy stat lines. That they have that you know kind of that that pudginess to them. What is that? What's the it's the power of the pudge? I guess. And, and also, there's something, uh, it's protection when you fall. It is. It's bouncy. Um, it also kind of limits you from, like, Anthony Davis is ripped, but he just, like, flops on the floor and mm. bangs his body on the ground. Where they're just, yeah. they. He bounces. They, they bounce like a, like a racquetball. You know? They're Kirby's, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're not Yoshi's, they're Kirby's. They just Yoshi. really yeah. float around. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm so wedded to Kevin Durant that I I know. I don't make me do this because I like I, I wouldn't honestly right now I, I don't I I couldn't imagine straight up one season trading Kevin Durant for any of those guys. Just the way he's playing right now, it's just it's it's beautiful, it's surgical. It's it feels like it's the highest level of skill like you know we talk about like Kyrie skill level and that's that's true that's for like ball handling, but like in terms of just like exercising complete precision at at like no there's just no it, it's just so efficient the way he scores it's it's something something to behold really i forgot Jokic in that tier which no, is we put Jokic in there you did i didn't i didn't no. mention him as being in that top tier but he's obviously in that top tier yeah i mean okay this is a nuts podcast but if i'm going to be honest with our listeners i do put luka Jokic, 
Giannis. Ugh. You really put Giannis you ha- there? You have to. He's over so- over KD right now. Ugh. One season, I don't know. I feel like anytime, and then you, and then your entire like thing is built around Giannis's bullshit of just like just sloppy drives. Just you now you're the sloppy drive team. But you knew, you know, if he was actually on your team, you'd be thrilled with him. Of you'd course. be absolutely. I mean, of course I would. You'd be. We we were excited about Isaiah Whitehead spinning drives. You remember how excited <laughs> the, the Brooklyn Cyclone? I mean. <laughs> How, 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 pumped we how were. excited were we really though we were i was pretty you were, excited you're crazy about the world right i now. was like oh that guy's cyclone yeah i don't know is he young kyle lowry i don't know <laughs> that was my take at the time yeah uh by the way for our listeners sean kilpatrick has still not returned our interview request i know people want to i tweeted out at one point i've sent the most exciting interview request of my life mm. and it was that and he still is <laughs> wow. yet to i love that you air it out live you know, just keeping you know keeping keeping the listeners yeah. engaged and abreast of our goings on. Um, that's it. That's the episode. Hey, I got we did it. Out. What did they find us, Mike? Oh, oh, wait, quick. Oh. Nets schedule Shoot. coming up. Yeah, hit me. Very interesting. Nets schedule coming up. Yeah. Um, they play one second. They play at. So I'm a little worried. At the Bulls, at New Orleans, at Miami. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Then they get you know, three days off and then play Thursday TNT home game against your Boston Celtics. Hey, um, that's a, that's a stretch. And we keep talking about, we're going to get more data. And the reason why I wanted to talk about, are they elite is going into that. We're obviously going to learn. I mean, Chicago, yeah, not that good, but New Orleans, one of the best teams in the NBA, Miami, a tough, a tough team. Look at you ringing your knuckles already, Mike. You're just, you're addicted to the anxiety. You're addicted to it. Brian, if the Nets go four and zero in that stretch, how are you? How the what best, are you going to? I do? already feel like we're you know an ascendant team. Like it's already it doesn't. We can go zero and four, and that wouldn't change how I feel. That's how comfortable I am right no, now. You'd be, <laughs> no, you'd no. be. Question: Is this is now the time to trade Kevin Durant? Stop, stop. Where do they find us, Mike? Where do they get us? You find us at Twitter, BK Glue Guys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself on the paywall, TheAthletic.com/slash Glue Guys. Uh, subsidiary of the New York Times. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Mike. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.